live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer, with me, Mr. Lady Ada Phil, on camera control and behind the scenes work, making this all thing happen. We got an exciting show for you tonight, jam-packed with videos and stories and products and discount codes and calculators from the yeah. 1970s. All that and more on the next hour, the most interesting thing you can do for the next hour, believe me. Uh, why don't we kick off? Yeah, I think so. Uh, let's kick off the show. Uh, Mr. Ladyana, what is on tonight's show, please? On tonight's show, the code is inductive. 10% off at Nature Fruit Store all the way up to probably midnight. Or when I remember to turn the code off. Inductive is the code. 10% off all the items in stock. Get it while it lasts. Talk about our Adafruit live series shows, including show and tell. Time travel, look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, engineers, news, and more. Help wanted, some jobs from the jobs or jobs.adafruit.com. Main New York City factory footage, some footage around the New York City factory, which we call Adafruit, and then uh, also a time lapse from across the street. Some 3D printing, uh, two projects from Noah and Pedro this week, and a cool speed up, especially if you've been watching things on the Marvel Universe. It's a theme. Got Ion MPI brought to you by Adafruit and DigiKey. New products, we got a ton this week. Tons. Top Secret, also have a bunch. Tons. We'll answer your questions. Tons. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Congratulations, Discord, for your $500 million funding that you got today. Damn, that's Oof. cool. Um, they decide not to sell to Microsoft, and they just took a bunch of money instead. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, uh, maybe. Yeah. About 30,000 uh, of you are over on our community on Discord. Uh, it'll be 31,000 soon. All that and more tonight on, you guessed it. Dun, dun, dun. Ask an engineer. Okay. Yeah, we have a really jam-packed show. I mean, There's like, a lot going back, on. We're back on our bullshit. We're back on our engineering. We're back on our content. We're doing um, so much design work, putting so many new products in, doing a lot of videos. A lot of people are back from vacation. Well-deserved, well-needed vacation. So let's uh, we can get right into it when after you yeah, check in. Yeah, doing a couple things there. No, it's cool. All There's right. a lot going on. A lot going on. All right. So first up... Um, let me just do COVID-related news. Not for, gone yet. No, uh, it wants to stick around. We're all done with COVID, but it's not <laughs> done with us. Um, yeah. Someone's saying we got a little bit of clipping action going on here. I think you're a little loud. Yeah. I'm, I'm at like at six and you're do, at like do, zero. Do, do. Let me go to this before, so it's yeah. not just like a COVID thing. Yeah. Okay. Let me, uh, so we had a guest on our show last week, so I had to change the audio oh, for that. And then fine. this week, I'm going to just change this a little bit, so yeah. give me one moment. All right, we'll see how that goes. Anyways. That's fine. Oh, yeah, that's much better. You were, like, at the top. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. All right, anyways. So here's our COVID news for the week. Uh, we're, uh, just like everybody else, getting news. So the way the federal national mandates are going to work, it's part of OSHA, and over the next couple of weeks, the rules will be finalized. Companies over 100 people, we fall in that category, uh, will have to do it, and... Uh, just did a meeting with our employment lawyer. And just so you all know, um, because I feel like uh, it's um, a good idea to share this stuff, uh, just like we do with all parts of the business. Yeah. So what we're starting off with is an employee survey, and they're going to say if they've been vaccinated or if they're going to be vaccinated by one of these first dates. We're probably like 99% there, if not 100, we'll see, mm -hmm. um, just based on how we work with each other and, and, and how we've collaboratively tried to get through the last 18 months together. Um, but you never know. Um, so that's what we're doing first. And if someone were to ask me, because I've been talking to lawyers and other 
and other business owners and people who are in the like HR industry, um, I really think spending time with your employees and if you don't have like some type of weekly meeting that has other things other than like COVID news, yeah. um, it's never too late to start those. But really giving everyone the information and showing them each step along the way, what you're doing and why, and um, how there's things that the state or city or federal government will require, and then there's things that your own company can do. And I think getting as much input from everyone and like, I know that this is all like, trite, wants to do this. it's all trite and unamusing. Um, and it's in like business books about leadership and everything, but usually leadership is taking on the tasks that no one wants to do and then um, excelling at it. And it's a weird thing to say. It's like, it's often stuff that no one wants to do. That's what leadership is. Yes. Um, so if you could break through that and uh, have sometimes uncomfortable conversations with people, um, I've taken folks to the CVS and uh, helped them get vaccinated. So as other members of our team, I think that's the right approach, but I understand how other companies can get where they were at. So one of the things we're not going to do, um, when I saw in the news, it's like, oh, like United is going to raise the healthcare prices for the unvaccinated. They're going yeah. to do this. They're going to- And then let's pay time it's, off and you can't do that. It's either. all these like, it's like these like forms of torture for coworkers. And I, and I think they, they could get to the goal of what they have, which is a, a safe working environment with folks getting vaccinated without coming up with these, these, these torture yeah. ideas um, about how they're going to take things away and how they're going to- um, just basically be mean to people that uh, on the other side of this, they're going to have to still work together. Yes. Um, and I think just saying like, hey, like, how can we make this happen together is a better approach. Anyways, maybe maybe we'll ask me in two weeks um, how I feel about it. But anyways. It's like collaborating on code, but with absolutely everybody on earth. Yeah. So I, I think that we'll be the, just like a lot of things Adafruit does, I think just our approach is a little different. And I, I think we'll have everyone safe, everyone vaccinated, and we won't have to do all the terrible things that companies are like coming up with to get them there. I think there's a way. Yeah. Um, but again, ask me in two weeks. Okay. okay. So that's the COVID update news and more. I hope that helps some folks that are running companies or work at companies too. You can send them a link to this. There is a way usually to get to the goals together. Yes. Um, for the folks that are going to use the code tonight, it is inductive. And um, it's 10% off. you also get free stuff. Just about everything in the store. Also, yes, if you order from adafruit.com, you will get some free stuff. Free stuff we have is $99 or more, a free Permaproto half-size breadboard, a wonderful way to take your project and make it permanent. Um, $149 or more, you get a free Stemma QT board. We have a range of sensors and boards and drivers and all that good stuff. Um, you'll get a different one each time. If you make an account, then uh, we will give you a different one. Um, for sure, because we know which ones we've already sent you. If you don't make an account, check out as guest. We'll just get you, you'll get a random one, arbitrary. 199 or more free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. That's trackable, reliable shipping. And 299 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, our favorite all-in-one development board uh, made for people who want to make projects, do electronics, learn to code, and they don't want to do any soldering. It's plug and play. All you need is a USB cable, which you probably have. Look under your desk. It's there. Okay, we do a whole bunch of live shows. Um, we do these every single week. Special thanks to JP this week. Uh, did the show until next week. Is known Pedro. Yep. And I glanced over because I was wrapping up show stuff. It's and cool. They had synthesizers and robots. Yeah. And uh, Jay was there. Yeah. And uh, I just, uh, it was Jay's birthday not too long ago. I sent some Adafruit uh, store credit. Ooh. And um, I think there was some Adafruit stuff going on there. Yeah. So I'm going to watch that as soon as we're done with the show. Okay. On Sundays, we do Desk of Lady Ada. The first part of Desk of Lady Ada was what you were working on. What were on you working desk. on? Okay. What was I working on? Oh, that's right. I was um, 
I finished up my UPDI uh, standalone programmer, so I need that to be able to make boards with ATtiny uh, chips that now they use a one-wire programming system called UPDI. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of worked on this a couple months ago, and then I'm, I have to finish it up. So um, I just showed that I, I got it working. You can now program chips and verify them from in an Arduino sketch, so you don't need a computer, which is, like, awesome. And then um, I sort of showed how I build a tester. So I started the first half of making a tester breakout that will, um, that will let me have a Metro M0 or M4 program, test, and verify a board in hopefully a couple seconds. That's, that's kind of one of our secret sauces for how we get boards made so fast in-house is that the test procedure takes 10 seconds or less. Okay. And then we do the great search. That's with DigiKey. And Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering yes. and decades of searching the internet for parts. I am, I am so did, good at it. What I did finally, you find this week? I'm not happy there's a part shortage, obviously. I hate that people aren't able to get their parts. But I will say, I was made for this. Like, I was born into the part shortage. <laughs> like, I'm like Bane, but for like finding components. I was born in the <laughs> shortage. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. No, like today, like I found those uh, LiPoly charger chips. And I snapped them up like that, and Mary was like, yeah. nice, you got those so fast. Anyways, uh, it's my thing. Anyways, so it's um, kind of what I do. Uh, the CP2104, one of our favorite USB to serial converter chips. Uh, we love it. We use it in our feathers. We use it in our breakouts. We use it on our metros. Uh, it is NRND. I think this is the first time we've talked about NRND part. Non-returnable, non I don't remember what the D stands for, but basically, um, you you know, you, this is their, like, last chance to, oh, sorry, not NRD, sorry. NRND is not not returnable. It's not recommended for new designs. There's a different thing for not returnable. Um, not recommended for new designs means you can still buy the chip, but they don't recommend yeah. it for new designs because it is going to go end of line soon. So they've moved from the CP2104 to the CP2102N. Uh, so I talk about that chip, and also I show you some other variant uh, USB serial converter chips that you can check out, as well as some uh, hints. I've used a lot of different ones, and so I have a little bit of feedback on the different uh, makers and models. Um, but luckily, uh, there even is CP2102Ns in stock um, at DigiKey, and I show you the only thing you have to do the schematic to change it to make it work. Okay, tune in this Sunday for another one. All right, JP's Product Pick does this every week. It's the only live show that I know of in the United States that broadcasts from a product page. Inside the product page, and you get like half off. Yeah. And we've kept track of how many products we sell on each show, where more people are tuning in to buy more stuff at half off. Oh, wow, okay. That's true. All right, so let's do uh, this week's highlight. FM Radio Breakout. I've got a little sort of numbers station type of thing playing right now. It's going to play on the initial frequency. After six seconds, it's actually going to change itself, and I'm going to tune it down to 90. Mr. Cunningham so it started said, broadcasting. Must mean the camel's a couple seconds later, it's going to go out. Going on. Now I'm going to retune. And there it is again. Oh, Please. not as good a... Uh, so you can imagine that you could have this happen programmatically, you could have it changing at random intervals. RDS is how you end up with some info on your usually car stereo display that tells you the artist and song. So that's the product pick of the week. It is the FM transmitter breakout. 
Okay, and tomorrow is JP's workshop, and right before the show started, JP sent me this little clip. This is a preview of what you'll see tomorrow. Looking forward to Radiohead re-releasing Kid A over and over. It's kind of like your advice to me: just read Dune over and over again. Don't read the other books. I have there's Anyways. two there's two pieces of, of media that I say just do the same thing over and over, and that's The Matrix. Just watch the first one three times, and then Dune. I'm gonna just, watch the latest Matrix that's coming out. That's different, okay? Different, but I'm okay. saying two and three, and then Dune. Yes, just read the first Dune, and right. then just glue the covers of the other books on top of Dune, and and it's it's better that way. I hear you. Okay. Okay, um, and then. We also do Circuit Python Parsec on JP's show, and then we have a highlight, of course, from this week as well. Circuit Python News. For the Circuit Python Parsec today, I want to talk about returning multiple values from a function. So what you can see here in my code is that I am importing from the random library, randint, that gives me random integers, time, so I can do a little sleep, Adafruit macro pad, which takes care of a whole bunch of stuff with the display, uh, and then I'm creating the macro pad object. Now I've created this little function that's called getRandomXY. This function right here, uh, you feed it a minimum and a maximum for X positions and a minimum and maximum for Y positions it returns the X and Y location using a random inside of those constraints. That fact that it can return both of those values is the cool part here because I can use just one function and a lot of different parts of my code can keep calling back to it to grab these two X, Y random values. Then inside of the main loop of the program, you can see I'm casting a variable called X and a variable called Y to the return that we get from that function. So get random x, y, and then I'm saying I want to go a minimum of 16, which is a little offset from the left, and a maximum of 112, a little offset from the right, and same for, uh, for the y-axis, 16 and 48. Uh, then I'm printing that to my little serial display. Go ahead and see that happening right there. So those values, x and y, are what get returned from my function. And then I'm just using this macropad.display image, a little BMP file, and then its position is that random x and that random y position inside of some constraints that my function returned. And then we do a little sleep. And the result is, you can see I've got this little blip, this little uh, sort of space invaders alien jumping around the screen there inside of my constraints. And so that is how you can return a couple of values from a function inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Okay, and this Friday, tune in to Deep Dive with Scott. I think this is going to be the 
uh, Circuit Python running on you know bare metal on a Raspberry Pi. I think so too. Yeah, I, I, we'll I sort of put in a request for it. Of course, it's whatever Scott wants to do. It's it's Scott's hour, it, but it's um, Scott just aren't Scott. It is pretty cool. Scott spent a lot of time on the Bluetooth Energy stuff lately. It's in a really good spot and uh, part of like, the dessert treat of yeah. doing that, I think. It'll be on a deep dive no matter what, but it might yeah. it might be this week. We'll Check see. it out. All right, time travel. Okay. Um, first up this week on time travel, we're going to do um, a little calculator retro history with Phil B. This is a good one. Phil B's so good on the I watched, retro stuff. I, I watched it uh, earlier today when I was putting together the show. Put your, put your headphones it, on for this one. It's a good one. Yeah. Hey, look, it's some old calculators from 1973 and 1980. It's usually the LED displays on these that get people's attention, but I wanted to talk about a couple different things. First is, these always came with a slipcase. It wasn't an aftermarket thing like your phone case. It just came with it. This one has a belt loop, if you're just that hardcore. These things were built like tanks. It's not like they needed the slipcase, but it was a tradition carried over from more delicate slide rules. The other thing I've got to mention is the buttons, which feel and sound delightful. That comes from using metal dome switches, the same as the clicky buttons on early joysticks. Newer calculators use either membrane or elastomer keypads. It's easier to manufacture. And I won't knock it because that does make them more affordable and accessible to people. So I like that, it's just the new buttons don't spark the same joy. And a reminder, um, we have less than 100 slots open in Adabox already. Halloween is about a month-ish away, so um, here's your chance. You should... Sign, sign up. up. Sign up for Ada Box. You'll get this box. You could get a year subscription. You can give it as a gift. Yeah, we, we might not have, have an amazing Halloween box. Yeah, and if you want to give a gift of Ada Box for the holidays, it might be a good idea to do that now too because we'll probably be full for the holidays. Yes, JP is so, already we'll planning the next video, and you know they're going to be good. Yeah, you want to be part of this. There is a lot going Don't on for this one. Um, okay, Collins Lab. We do a Collins Lab Notes video every single Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. This week, I'm picking one. Um, one? The Pogo pin one. Cool. Here it is. Pogo pins are tiny spring-loaded components which allow the board they're mounted on to make momentary but electrically sound contact with another circuit. They're perfect for test jigs when you need to perform the same QA test on an entire batch of boards. Position, apply pressure, and repeat. The type of board you're testing will likely dictate which type of Pogo pin you should use. The Needlehead Pogo is a good fit for small signal pads dedicated to testing. The Cupped Head can fit over small solder joints, such as the top side of a row of header pins. The somewhat intimidating Spearhead works well for empty through-hole pads. And if you need additional stability or more contact with the test surface, the Regal Crown Head may be a better fit. Okay, you can go to jobs.adafruit.com and check out our jobs board. We made this so folks can post their skills, get jobs, or if they're a company, they can post what they're looking for. And usually, I would say, um, every company, no matter what they do, has something to do with electronics now. Or coding, or making, or yeah. prototyping, or crafting. And the, the innovations you see in the engineering and maker and artist communities, and that's what 
employers are looking for. And so I think this was a neat one this week. One, uh, this is a microcontroller C++ C++ programmer. And then the other one, Stanley, Black & Decker, they're looking for electrical engineers and technicians for power tools and hmm. um, things like IoT, things like uh, machine control. learning, you yeah. name it. And so they just posted that up on our jobs board. I mentioned it last week. But I also thought it would be good I to mean, mention DeWalt, it today. I mean, Black & Decker and Stanley, yeah. these are like really well-established uh, American brands. If you can get a job there, I'm sure it, you know, you're going to be working yeah. with some of the best people making reliable there's tools. There's material stuff. There, It's like building a little robot. So I yes. think that's kind of cool. It's true. They are little robots. Yeah. That's a good point. Screwdriver is like a little robot. Yep. You can use a screwdriver, a, a power screwdriver, to power a robot, too, because they, they've taken care of that. All right. Next up. Python on Hardware News. Going to go over a couple things, and then the usual, I picked one topic that we're going to talk about. Okay. It's going to be a little surprising this week. What? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, well, first up, congratulations. Uh, we mentioned this before, but we're up to 9,000 subscribers. If you haven't already, go it's to... It's now over 9,000. Over 9,000. That's like an old meme. Um, go to adafruitdaily.com and sign up there. It's not connected to your Adafruit store account. We don't spam. We don't harvest anything. Um, we made a completely separate site. Use those like email tricks so you can see if we ever use your email address yeah. for anything else. We don't. Yeah, don't trust us. That's, that's why. I, that's why I say it. Um, so do that because uh, you know after we hit like a milestone like nine thousand, yeah. it'll slow down a little bit. Then it'll get like ten thousand. But if you could uh, sign up, we'd appreciate that because you'll get all this delivered to your inbox every week. It's my um, favorite newsletter. Jepler, stop by. Check out our. You remember that? That was last week. That was last week. Check out our um, video and then also. Uh, Jeff's usually around in the chats and all that, too. Um, so Jeff got his picture taken. If you work for Adafruit, you get your picture taken, and you get to hang out with Blinka. Um, this is why you want to be a core contributor to CircuitPython. Th this is one of the benefits. It's one of the benefits. Yeah. Um, so lots of different things. Uh, we posted up about the study of open source hardware in the EU. Um, there's a bunch of projects in addition to events and more. But this week, the thing that I wanted to start to talk about is we ported CircuitPython features to Arduino. Yes, we learned things. Yeah, so <laughs> so I thought this was interesting because this is the the, the, the snake wagging the tail or something. But it's interesting because yes. we, you know, we did, yes. we, 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 I think we're still the... I like that graphic. Did yeah. you draw that? No, that's Anne. Huh. Um, nice work, I, Anne. I think we're one of, now I'm just going to say it because unless someone, someone will tweet at me if well. I'm wrong. Um, I, we're the largest... We're the biggest contributor to the oh, Arduino the libraries. libraries. Yeah, yeah we definitely have libraries. And so uh, as we were doing CircuitPython, we're like, we learned a lot. Let's do a lot of things. And then we had some um, requests for Arduino. We, we do a, a yearly thing, like, oh, here's what we'd like to see in Arduino. Um, and so we did get to this one for Arduino. And I'll, I'll go over some of the things that we had requested. But what is this? For the folks that do Arduino coding, they're going to be like, this is the best thing ever. If you have code like this in your libraries or your examples, and if you write Arduino, you probably do this like wire write, wire send, and then you request and send and receive. And you're just tired of, of the same code over and over again, especially if you're doing driver libraries for chips where it uses like SM bus registers, where you write the register address and you read data from that address. There's so much boilerplate that's constantly redone over and over and over again to like read buffers and what if you have to write, read or write more than 32 bytes and then you have to do multiple transactions. Anyways, um, so one of the cool things about CircuitPython is because we did that, we basically structured it. I was like, all the things I didn't want to do in Arduino, I made sure that we fixed and made working easier in CircuitPython. Mm -hmm. So doing stuff like register access and writing large chunks of data to and from 
um, I squared C and SPI is a lot easier. And then I was like, I want to take that simplicity, the, and, and some of it's also from Linux, by the way. Linux also has a really good API that we borrowed from in GPIO zero. But the whole idea of like write then read and the prefixing and like, you know, having it just be one transaction where you send and receive a buffer. Um, so you can see all the code on, on here, it, you know, all of it got replaced with that down there. And what's cool is, is that there are um, platform by platform changes to how wire and SPI work. Believe me, I have found out they're not all exactly the same. And so all of that complexity is hidden now in a library. And it's like, I just say, here's what I want to do. And it will do the best it can, depending on the, on the platform, to have repeated starts or clock stretching or, um, you know, large buffered reads and, and concatenations um, and all that good stuff. So, you know, maybe we'll even support, in, in SPI, we support software, BitBang I, uh, SPI as well. And we'll probably add uh, BitBang I squared C. So, just like taking all that complexity that is just, I've been copying and pasting through like 400 libraries and we're just flushing it out and Carter's doing yeah. an amazing job going through and updating all our libraries. So we have a blog post of this and more. And then the other thing we have is um, if you go to our December of 2019 blog post, wow. you can see the features that we had asked Arduino to consider, uh, download stats for the Arduino community, tiny USB support and Arduino core, UFT bootloader support, um, Arduino library standards and automation. That's the stuff I'm working on. Uniform a lot. transfer of structured data. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Bus.io. Support for Grove Quick Stemma, and that was actually on the you know, mailing list today. If we did another post, I would actually ask for the same exact stuff. This is the stuff, the tooling and and the the tool chain stuff, and continuous integration and uh, sta yeah. you know standards for library writers. Oh boy. That would be so great. So this is uh, the reason I'm putting this in the Python and hardware section is because we wanted to see something in Arduino, but because it wasn't there, we were able to do it in CircuitPython. And, and now we can back and now we're do it. Yeah. putting it in Arduino. So there's lots of different ways to get to a destination. This is one of them. Yep. And that is the Python on Hardware News this week. Thank you, Blinka. Okay, we're an open source hardware company because um, we're just talking about open source. Uh, one little programming note, October is open hardware month. I'll probably be doing a series of articles. I will not have time to do an article a day, which I've tried to do in other months when there was an open hardware month. I'll probably do a few articles. You could check out ohm.ashwa.org and uh, there'll probably be some events and more and I'm going to try to get some of the Ashwa folks on one of our show and tells or something. This is a good time to, if you have open hardware, register it with the open yeah. source hardware registry. Certify. We have a couple of blog posts, certify it. This is a, it's a good thing to do in October. Yeah. Okay. And then um, also we have 2,537 guides for our product software and Yay. more related. What are the guides this week? Okay. We have a bunch of new guides. Um, so uh, we've got a Catney updated our INA219 guide. I uh, know Pedro and Liz Clark um, wrote a wireless BLE gesture mouse project for last week, which is really cool. Um, I think this is a really great stepping stone for if you want to have like HID or like BLE uh, wireless data. Uh, we also have a guide for our 1.7 inch round rectangle display. Carter updated our Pi Zero headless quick start. And then do you want to Yeah, do you want to go to the next one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we also um, wrote a guide specifically for MP3 playback, um, audio playback on the RP2040 with CircuitPython. Um, it turns out that even though there's not a DSP in that Cortex-M0, it is fast enough to decode MP3s up to like 64 
uh, kilobit per second, which is pretty cool. Um, we should to do that with PWM output or with I2S output. Also got uh, this week's uh, cool project. Uh, you know, we watched Suicide Squad a month ago and we're like, we saw this, spoiler alert, there's these Starro things that fall on people's heads and they have an yeah. eye in the middle. And we're like, oh my God, we should totally make that with Halloween because it's exactly the hardware we have. No one Pedro did that this week. Uh, JP uh, shows you how to make your own detachable USB cable with aviator connectors. And Dylan uh, walked out with a very common request, how to communicate between two boards. Um, you want to send data back and forth, not wirelessly. Um, here's how to do it with UART. And there's some, sorry, there's some great example code that you can use and adapt. Uh, this one is light sensor to NeoPixels, but of course it can be any kind of data back and forth between two microcontrollers. All right, let's do some factory footage. And it wouldn't be New York City factory footage unless um, you saw the, the Disney Disney built. building time locks from across the street. That's if you've tuned cool. in for a couple of years, you're going to be able to see this building from uh, demolished to uh, a, a giant, I guess, mouse or something. I don't know. All right, three D printing. Big golden ears. Yeah, and I think we're doing good on time. So I'm going to play all the 3D printing videos back to back. This is the Bluetooth mouse, the Starro face thing, and then um, the speed up of Captain America who got turned zombie. into a zombie. It's good. We got both Marvel and DC Universe uh, for you. So whatever your interests are. Yeah. I don't think they'll be allowed to merge. I don't, I don't know if they would. I don't think they'll be allowed to. I'm sure there's plenty of podcasts. I'm sure Disney's trying to work it, but I know. we'll see. All right. Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're making a BLE mouse with Adafruit's FeatherSense. This project uses an accelerometer to make mouse movements so you can wirelessly control your computer. As you move the device, your computer's cursor will follow your movements. So you can tilt up or down and left and right to move the cursor. You can also use the onboard switch to send mouse clicks so you can navigate and click around. The Feather Sense NRF52840 has everything built in so it makes these type of projects really easy to put together. The proximity sensor is used for scrolling. Just cover up the sensor with your thumb and tilt up or down to scroll a web page. This makes it a fully capable mouse that you can program to wirelessly control any computer over BLE. All you need to build this project is the Feather Sense, a slide switch, and a small LiPo battery. The code for this project was written in CircuitPython by Liz Clark and uses the BLE and HID libraries. Accelerometer data is converted into horizontal and vertical movements and the degrees of motion affect the speed. In the serial console, you can see data from the sensors so you can fine tune the sensitivity. 
The FeatherSense shows up as a BLE device and can connect to computers with either macOS or Windows. The code is up on GitHub and features comments so you can modify and customize it to fit your project. So if you're looking to make a wireless HDD mouse, definitely check out CircuitPython for your next project. Thanks for watching and be sure you're subscribed for more DIY projects from Adafruit. Hey, what's up folks? In this project, we're making a face mask inspired by Starro from the Suicide Squad. This mask is flexible and features blue and purples to look like those creepy starfish face huggers. The hollowing is the perfect board for this type of project. It's an easy way to get an animated eyeball with no coding skills required. The mask is 3D printed and flexible filament so it can wrap around your face. It's made from two separate pieces that are fastened together with machine screws. The flap on the back allows access to the built-in power switch so it's easy to turn on and off. All you need for this project is the hollowing, a LiPo battery, and a convex lens. The mask is 3D printed in NinjaFlex. This filament features a shore hardness of 85A and it's both flexible and elastic. It's also 3D printed with some support material. These parts are stringy and need a bit of cleanup, which is easy to do with a pair of flush snips. To color the parts, you can airbrush both sides, starting with some shades of purple. Airbrushing NinjaFlex is a bit better than acrylic paints because it won't crack when flexing. Then you can add some blues and blend them together to make some gradients. The lens is added to the center hole cutout and is held in place with the lip along the edge. The hollowing board is placed on top with the mounting holes lined up. Machine screws can then be fastened to the built-in standoffs for a nice and secure fit. The back side can then be added with the flap lined up with a built-in switch. Machine screws are added to each of the mounting tabs with the two sides held together. You can paint over the screws with acrylic paints so they blend in with the rest of the mask. The tips of the mask are held in place overnight so it can retain that curved shape. You can add an extension cable for a bigger battery and hide it in your pocket so it's not directly over your face. You can add a strap or a piece of NinjaFlex to act as a string to keep the mask fitted over your face. We hope this inspires you to try out some NinjaFlex and check out the Adafruit Hollowing for your next project. Thanks for watching and be sure you're subscribed for more DIY projects from Adafruit. And don't forget every single Wednesday at 11 you can watch 3D Hangouts with Noam Pedro. We can learn how to make all this stuff and more. All right. Ready, Lady Ada, for yes. the uh, great search? You I have some it. stuff going on there. <laughs> Sorry, not the great search. INMPI. INMPI. Okay, here we go. INMPI.
All right, this week's IMPI is from? Bud Industries. Bud. This is, I think, our first one from Bud. They're our yeah. best buds. Um, this is an American company that uh, specializes in enclosures. They're really good at outdoor enclosures. And today we're featuring uh, one of their enclosures. I think they did a really nice job on. It's a nice box. Yes, this is a nice box. So let's check this out. Um, okay, I'm going to hold this up. Okay. I'm going to go to the first. Uh... Yes, sorry. Please do. Sure. I'm going to read off the part number. This is the AIO11111 or the 11112. So that's four ones and a one or a two. Uh, from Bud Industries, they're they're very similar, um, and uh, it's kind of neat because I've seen um, enclosures that are you know latched outdoor enclosures. Yes, I've seen um, outdoor enclosures that have clear fronts. Yes, but I have not yet seen an enclosure that has both. This enclosure um, it's meant for you know wall mounting um, electronic projects, and what's really neat about it, and I think I think let's go back to the front because I to show this I kind of need sure. to. Uh, Okay, so this is the enclosure. This is one of the biggest uh, uh, IMPIs. So um, this is one door that you can open and it's clear. And then there's a second door, which is latched. So I can open this like that. And then I can open this. I have to be careful not to clonk you or me. So there's basically a window here and a window there. And then there's this plate, which you can mount onto the back here to protect the inner area from the outer area. Like there's basically two sections of this enclosure and um, so you can keep some parts safe and secure on yeah. the inside while having this door. Yeah, this that second photo shows it pretty well. The second, um, the clear door can open up um, while keeping stuff on the inside safe. So why is this cool? Well, obviously, you know, usually you have um, a clear, uh, you know, you have a clear front if you want to have, um, LEDs or TFTs or gauges or whatever, but with this enclosure, the, the door lets you open up and also like press buttons or reset it without opening up the big part of the enclosure, which could get dust or water into it because both doors uh, are gasketed and it's IP66. Okay, so let's go to uh, number two. Yeah, so we have so some measurements. Yeah, so check out the data sheet because it's really nice. They did a good job um, giving you all the dimensions you could possibly need, the mounting bosses, the height, the depth, like, you know, everything is quite nice. Um, they've got it in DXF format as well as PDF, but like I'm just showing two images from um, the data sheet, but there's a ton. Inside there's mounting bosses uh, with tons of holes for mounting um, internal circuitry or, or mechanical panels as a substrate. Um, one of the really nice things about these enclosures, and I've seen a lot of enclosures since I really stuck out at me, is that the gasketing is, um, it's not like a bead ring. That you, sometimes you get O-rings or like little beads and they work okay, but this is actually kind of an extruded thick plastic rubber um, gasket and both doors are gasketed fully. Um, so that that's what gives it the IP66 rating, um, which means that it is fully dust proof and it's waterproof you know, to the extent that you can have jets coming at it. Um, and it'll be protected from, from water jetting in. Obviously, if you cut holes, you'll have to weatherproof those holes. Um, I will mention that um, even though it's IP66 rated, the material it's made out of is ABS plastic and it's not UV treated. So it's not meant for outdoor in the sun exposure because it'll, it'll slowly crack the ABS plastic. You could put it outside, but just make sure it's not you know, exposed to UV light. Uh, which is hard to do if it's outside because, you know, outside there's sun. Um, but if it is indoors, it's going to be well protected against any sort of dust or oil or water 
um, that you might have in you know, your factory or around your robot or around your maker project, or maybe it's like a home automation center. That would be something really uh, good to make with it. Um, there's also some cool accessories. If you want that inner plate, you want to mount stuff to it, you could actually get plates um, at the top. I show the images at the bottom are the DigiKey part numbers, and they have them in stock um, for a uh, plastic plate and a metal plate that even has like drill holes in it so you can like easily mount you know more complicated electronics um, or robotics components into the enclosure and then of course the front plate it has that little insert plate I showed you it's also ABS plastic so it's really easy to machine or mill um, and I'll also show you the video about customization um, but I think like if you want to make a project that has like you know, a big power electronics thing or monitoring thing or IoT thing and you want like the, that, you know, that Raspberry Pi to be safe and then you want the, the display and the buttons and the gauges separately available, this kind of gives you the best of both worlds. You don't have to pick and choose. And it's in stock. Available on DigiKey. There's two types. Again, there's the 1111 and there's the 1112. I think the 1111 is seven and a half inches deep and the 1112 is nine and a half inches deep. That's the, the depth from the wall. Um, but check the specifications uh, to make sure. As you saw, it's a pretty big box, but like it'll fit anything in it for sure. Definitely like a large display. Um, and then of course uh, use um, cable glands if you want to maintain the IP66 rating for all the cables that are coming out of it. Yeah, someone in the chat said um, the inner panel is great for mounting screens, buttons, selector switches, and so on. This yeah. is exactly what it's for. And I love that you could open up, you know, you don't have to expose all the delicate innards. You can have a semi protected yeah. area and then like the very, you know, delicate electronics behind it. Um, because every time you're opening that panel to reset the button or to adjust something or to turn it on or off, you don't want to expose all of your wiring to, to whatever dust. Uh, a light or oil or humidity that right. you've got in your house. And here's a video about it. Here's how to customize uh, the box, which is a service that DigiKey and Bud offer together. So contact a DigiKey sales rep if you want to have like custom holes drilled in. As your design work on your great new project is wrapping up, you realize that you need an enclosure. In the past, when time was tight, you would have to purchase a standard box and then send it out to either a local job shop or the shop in the back of your facility to have the holes and slots put in for such things as connectors, power cords, readouts, or whatever else you might need. This was either expensive or pulled your employees away from other jobs that they could be doing. But you really didn't have a choice because getting a custom product out of a typical enclosure manufacturer was harder than getting a bill through Congress. Today, you have a great alternative. Bud Industries has pioneered rapid turnaround for modifications to its broad line of standard enclosures. Here are the quick steps to making it happen. First, use Bud's product selector to choose the product that best matches your needs. Then. Check with Bud or your local distributor to be sure it's in stock. Once you've found the right enclosure, send us a drawing of required modifications to the box. Of course, CAD or 3D models are great, but Bud can also work with as little as a sketch. When we have received your information, we'll quickly get a quote out to you. As soon as you place your order, Bud will rapidly create a detailed drawing for you to approve. Once you confirm the drawings, Bud will complete your customized order in 6 days for the first run, or 5 days for repeat orders. This is two to three times faster than most enclosure suppliers and covers holes, slots, or other cutouts in the enclosure. Note that there's no premium charge for this service. It's just Bud's everyday great service. All right, let's uh, do the code. Inductive. Okay. Use it or lose it, next hour or so. <laughs> and uh, let's do new products. All right, let's jump right in. Do 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 do
Okay, we got a bunch of stuff. We'll get we some do. of the, the ones that are just like kind of repetitive kind of out, of, out, out of the way really fast. Mm -hmm. So we got more keyboard stuff. Okay, so these are keyboard plates that you would use. Um, you have an enclosure, you have a PCB, and you want to stabilize the um, keys so they don't kind of wiggle back and forth, especially if you're using socketed MX PCBs, which people love. Um, this is a 60% GH60, very standard, common layout. Uh, you see it fits into any of our 60% keyboard shells. We have quite a few of them. Uh, we have this in a couple colors. We have silver. We have a gorgeous uh, Blinka purple. Um, oh, here's another angle shot. And then we also have black. Yeah. They're all the same thing, but I just wanted to carry them a couple different colors. Yeah. In addition to um, these mechanical stability plates, we have this kind of this foam um, insert sheet. So this is um, an insert that you know, people are like, okay, I want stability, but I also want a little bit of softness. They don't want their um, keyboard to rattle. So it's a little thin piece of die cut foam that you can put um, underneath the PCB or um, between the PCB and, um, so yeah, underneath the PCB and the enclosure. And it just gives you a, it's just a little bit of padding, like one millimeter thick padding. Um, and then of course, all these are for 60% keyboard. So uh, if you're making a keyboard, it's kind of what we recommend you start with. And uh, this is just, makes your build a little bit nicer. Yeah. All right, then we got a bunch of these. Um, cool. So we, we have custom keycaps now, but then we also have a way for you just to carry around the custom keycap with you. So let's say uh, you really like your mechanical keyboard, but you know, you gotta go out once in a while. That's right. So you can bring one of the keys with you. Yeah. Well, I just think these are cool little fidget toys. And also if you want to show off uh, your custom key. So of course we have the animation. Um, it doesn't come with a keycap. We sell tons of cool keycaps, but we're showing them, of course, with the Adafruit. Does not come with a human hand. Does not come with a really nice nail job either. that guy out there who's going to ask. Um, but we did get them in a couple different colors, red, green, blue, and white, which we thought were the most fun. Um, and then let's go to the overhead real fast, and I can show them off because I want to show the them in 3D. Yeah. So I got all these. Yeah. And uh, we just put more of the GitHub ones in stock. That's true. And then, those GitHub uh, Yeah, keycaps. and this is what it looks like without it on there, but let's go to the overhead. Yeah. So these are all very similar, all right. but again, different colors. So I can press them all at once, um, and they look great. Each one of them comes with a uh, key switch already installed. It's a blue clicky. Um, and um, on the bottom is a CR1220 coin cell battery. This mechanically connects, like, the LED to the the battery, so it, it'll last like seven or eight years um, of use. And then of course you can always uh, use a little screwdriver or something, wedge the key out, replace the battery if you'd like. Um, you even can replace the uh, LED if you if you want to, but um, it's just a fun little keychain. Uh, and we wanted to do a little bit of a giveaway once in a while where people can get one of our keycaps and also light it up. I don't know, I just think these are adorable. Okay. A cute little gift and a fun fidget toy. Strain gauges. Next up, uh, these are strain gauges that we will not be stocking again. Uh, we stock 75 millimeter strain gauges and we got a shipment of 80 millimeter and we didn't want to throw them out because they're, they're still very useful. Um, but that said, after we sell through these 80 millimeter long ones, we will not stock them again. Um, okay. They're a little bit cheaper than the 75 millimeter ones because we're just going to sell them out. And uh, if, you're, if you're doing a project, you don't need hundreds and hundreds of these. You only need like five to 10 for your project and you won't need them again and you're okay with the slightly longer size. They work great. I think we've got five and 10 kilogram portions. Yeah. The other ones. And then... Solenoid. Uh, adorable little solenoid. This one, uh, it's a little friend. It's a six volt solenoid. A lot of people have been asking uh, for us to please carry more low voltage solenoids because 12 volts, 24 volts is the standard. Um, but this little mini lock solenoid, which is quite popular, 
Um, we have a 12 volt, we've asked for it in six volts. Now, the deal is, is if you're gonna run it as a lower voltage, you're going to have to give it a lot more current because it still needs the same amount of power. So it is a 600 milliamp draw device. So just be aware if you're running it off a battery or even off of USB, that's kind of the, like the limit of what USB will give you, um, 500 milliamps or so. Um, that said, it's pretty easy. Uh, it's a pull type solenoid. So when it's unpowered, the little widget thing, the triangle is sticking out. When you give it six volt power, uh, the triangle pulls in and you can open the box or unlatch, unlatch or unlock something. Um, these are, are, are quite popular little uh, push solenoids or push pull solenoids um, for use in projects like uh, geocaching or if you want to have like a magical box that opens when somebody like scans their fingerprint or their eye or, you know, machine learning project. Um, has mounting holes, very easy to use. And like I said, you can run it for six volts. You can maybe even get away with five volts. Uh, just make sure again, you need 600 milliamps. Next up. Okay. We saw this being used in a bunch of like DIY keyboard projects and I'm gonna stock it. I, I will say, yes, it is not up to the USB-C uh, PD spec, but it does work and a lot of people were using them. And so we have a breakout that if you really want something that fulfills the specification and has the right yeah. resistors, this will work fine on most computers. Every computer I've tried on works. It may not work on a power supply that requires uh, power delivery resistors. Um, it's kind of a hacky thing. It's a little bit punk. I like to carry stuff that's a little bit punk sometimes out of spec. Yeah. This is one of those things. Some Again. guy emailed us and said that uh, we flagrant, flagrantly disregarded uh, the USB spec and we're polluting the USB C ecosystem. And, and so, proud of it. so there's. Yeah, so we get emails from uh, guys often, and they say things like, your code is spewing, your code is spewing all over the place because we have, like, so much open source code. And I've never in my entire life heard or seen emails to dudes from dudes. This is because you made this, Lamour, and I, I think it's this, cool. I'm just carrying it. I think it's cool. Okay, well, I think I think it's cool, too. It's a little punk rock. It's a little different. Again, yeah. you care about the PD spec? Anyways. Get the version we make with the, with the resistors you on. You get the products cost money, but that rant was free. That's right. <laughs> Um, okay, these are, we had some tower lights last week, and um, I saw these from the same supplier, and it, they're, it's kind of weird. It's a hemisphere alarm light. Um, inside is red, yellow, green LEDs, and you can see you can kind of turn them on and off. It's yellow, and then green, and then red. Um, so it's meant for alarming, but it's like a hemispherical light. And there's two versions. Um, okay, so if you actually go Can back. I go back to the one that I yeah, just on. Yeah, okay. So this version, see how it's got those holes in the side? Um, those holes are for a buzzer. So this version has a buzzer um, and it plugs into USB. So one of the nice things about these alarm lights um, is that they show up as a serial port. You just send them commands through Python or shell script or whatever you like, Minicom, and they'll turn on the LEDs and they'll turn on the buzzer. So you don't need to do any wiring. The code is very, very simple. Uh, there's no 12 volt power supply. It's plug and go and you've got this like alarm system. A lot of people like to do little like, oh, when I get email, it blinks. Or if somebody, you know, is you know, went to my website, it blinks or buzzes or who knows what. Um, this will do the job admirably. It's quite easy to use. If you want to use it through a website, you can even use it with web serial because again, it just yeah, shows up cool. as a COM port. We also have a version um, that looks very similar and uh, it has the same code, the same kind of design, except this one is weatherproof. Now, it doesn't have an IP rating, but I'm going to guess it's something like IP64. It's going to be dustproof and like I wouldn't dunk it underwater, but you could probably splash it with some water and it'll be fine. Um, it is sealed and it doesn't have a buzzer. That's the trade-off. If it had a buzzer and had holes in it, it wouldn't be weatherproof. Oh. But this one's probably better for, you know, more robotics or exposed stuff. Um, 
you could probably have it outdoors as long as it isn't like directly in the rain. Um, and you can use it for alarming or um, notifying somebody, you know, with light, not with sound. The other one with sound. So two different versions, don't mix them up. You either get a buzzer or you get the weatherproofness. Next up. Um, we got an update to our 2.9 inch e-ink flexible display. Um, if you do e-ink, you know that e-ink displays are constantly coming out with new chipsets. They, they're, they're pretty much the same shape, design, pinout, whatever, but the driver, it changes. The drivers are getting discontinued and uh, replaced like every three months, it seems. Anyways, it's time for the 2.9 inch e-ink display. Um, I think it was using the ILI 0373. It is now using the UC 8151D. We have code in CircuitPython, Python and Arduino no matter what. So no worries, um, it's yeah. a flexible display. I think it's really cool. Um, people were sending us some flexible displays today and I'm like, you can get this e-ink display and it, and it has like 300 by 150 pixels and it works great and it's flexible. Um, check it out and uh, it works with all of our e-ink driver adapter boards, kind of has a standard pinout. Next up. Okay, next up, uh, these are kind of cool. We actually saw these, I think what Naomi had them on her. Yeah, uh, and I immediately um, started making glowing Lego-like bricks and, yeah. and posted it up and uh, cool. was told I didn't use the right capitalization yeah, for Lego. Yeah, it's a Lego police came after you. Yeah. Um, so we got a couple different uh, ones here. And okay. yeah. this is magical when you see it. So we're just going to go to the demos okay, almost, almost right away. I wire up the demo. You didn't wire up the demo? I did, but it's like then I had to move it because oh, yeah. the thing was so large. All right, then I'm just going to play this video know. until... Okay, 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 okay. I have a video on our YouTube channel with yeah, these two. Yeah, why don't you play it? No, I can't. I'm I'm doing oh, no? the show right now. Yeah, Sorry. I can't. I can't go to YouTube. Wait, where am I? Let me stall for time here. No, oh, no, no. I'm one. fine. Here's this one. Look, the show's live. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the overhead. So if you do have Lego-like bricks, you can embed these inside of it and make yes. a lot of cool stuff. And that's they what do I did. Fit. That's what I did. And they should do that too. And they should also stop bugging me about the <laughs> Lego capitalization. The way that. It, do you want to put these in like a Lego cop car? Because then it could be uh, like a Lego cop. Lego yeah, cop I do. Car. Okay. All right. So here's how it works. Uh, this is a um, inductive coil driver. So this driver, you give it, this one in particular is five volts. And here's a, an inductive coil. And we have inductive coil chargers and like key chargers. You know, they, they use inductive, the inductive properties where the code is inductive. Um, this is one side of the coil. And then normally on a transformer, you have another coil. There's a magnetic field coming out of here. It couples to the other coil uh, passing over, uh, trans transmitting over electromagnetic energy into the other coil. Um, and so if you have that coil, for example, uh, as a inductor soldered onto an LED, you'll see that it glows when it's in the vicinity. Now, like uh, any coil inducting trans inductive transfer system, you want the coils to be coplanar. What does that mean? Is that, see how this coil is like curling around this way? You want it to curl in the same plane. So it works best when it's pointing in the same, you know, it's, it's within the same circular plane. If I tilt this over to the side, it gets dimmer. And then if I have it on its side, it actually turns off because it, the, the electromagnetic current has to go in the same plane. So the only thing is just watch out for that. If you're like, it doesn't work. No, it, it's working. You just have to have them pointing up. That said, this is really cool. These are used often for like models. Um, we see, or again, like Lego or 3D printing things where you don't want to wire up an LED or you can't because you have to embed it in something so thin and small, you don't want a battery pack, but you can have a coil underneath and then, um, you know, it lights it up from below. I also think it'd be cool for arts and crafts, 
um, you know, if you're sewing something or you have a wearable and you don't, again, you want to have something that's movable or adjustable or doesn't have wires coming into it, and then you have it powered from this external coil. You get one of the coils, you just power it with five volts. You get a bunch of LEDs in different colors. You get red, yellow, green, blue, two of each um, of these little coils. And um, they look cool and they're nifty. We're gonna do some 3D printing projects with these. Yeah. So that's the five volt version. And then if you're like, you know, the one thing about this is it only works, I think, you know, a couple, hold on, let me, works like, you know, one, two, three inches away from the coil. Um, and of course you have to kind of be inside of the coil for it to work best. Maybe you're like, ah, I want something a little bit bigger. I want something to work a little bit more distant. You can upgrade to the larger coil. Now the larger coil is large. Hold on, grab my mega coil. All right, while you're doing that, I'm gonna, gonna yeah, show this. So that's okay, a small coil. Go back. All right. Sorry, there's so many coils. Okay, Let's so this is the big, big coil. coil. This is small coil, big coil. Small coil, big coil. You'll notice it's very big. It's a bigger coil, that means it can transmit more electromagnetic energy. But the trade-off is you have to power it with a lot more uh, voltage and current. So instead of five volts, you need 24 volts, which is a slightly unusual amount of voltage. We do have a 24 volt power supply. Um, just be aware it's kind of, people don't often have a 24 volt power supply. The bigger coil is fun because you can put the LEDs um, further away in the middle and you could do a lot more fun stuff with it. Yes. Um, people are talking about escape room projects and there's a lot of things you could it's, do yeah. with I mean, this. this is cool. yeah. So what's nice about this is of course, the coil is bigger. Uh, so you can be much farther, you can be about six inches away. Inducting, you're like, well, the coil is four times larger. Why isn't it four times more powerful? Um, it's because um, the inductance transference is one over R squared or something, one over R cubed. So it, it's not linear. Um, but that said, I'll grab a white one because it shows up very well. Um, you know, it works much, much further away than the other one. If you remember the other coil, it was like two inches. This one is like six to eight inches away. Of course, it depends, you know, what else you have and if it's like perfectly aligned with the uh, plane of the coil. But this one is a little bit, because there's so much yeah. more uh, power, it's a little bit more flexible. Even if you have it um, on its side, it still even lights up, even if it's not coplanar, because there's just so much um, power coming out of this coil. Uh, so those are the two coils. The LEDs themselves are the same, but again, one coil big, one coil small. Which do you need, which do you want? Depends on how far away you want the LEDs to work and how much power you're willing to dump into the system. All right. And next up, start of the show tonight. Besides you, Lady Ada, the community, our customers, everyone in the chat, and the, the OctoCat and our team is oh, the LED glasses panel. Okay, this is the name of the product, LED glasses. Um, I don't have a better name for it yet because this is what it is. I've always wanted to have LEDs on our face. We have a bunch of NeoPixel projects that we've posted, but yeah. they're always like take some rings and you solder them to a cutie pie and then you know whatever. And I was like, well, what if we made it really easy to do? LED glasses projects. Facebook and Ray-Ban play their games and we're gonna play this ours. This is ours, this is ours. This is not going to post to Instagram for you, but it will no. look hella cool. Um, so here's the thing. Each board is, it's an I2C peripheral. There's a stem and connector on either side. There's no microcontroller. Instead, there's a little driver chip in the very center, kind of in, you know, in the center of the temple. And that controls 116 RGB LEDs that are arranged in a kind of interesting way. So paint your dragon. Uh, came up with a interesting layout. Instead of just having it be just like straight up grid, there's two circles and then there's a grid, I think it's five by 16, 
um, overlaid on those circles. And so you can have like circular designs or you can have linear text scrolling type designs where you can choose, you can have both. Um, and I thought that was kind of neat because I really like the circular eye design, but I also want to be able to scroll text. So this demo shows, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of bright light on it, so it doesn't look very bright. Believe me, it's, it's plenty bright, but you can have text going by and stuff going around the eyes. Each circuit board, you can have one of four different silkscreen. There's bug, there is cat, there is wolf, and there is dragon. So Phil B did the silkscreen for these. And here's the deal. You don't know which one you're going to get. And we can't control which one you're going to get. Either. They are totally random and they're boxed and we don't know what you're going to get. We want to try something a little where it's like a little random, a little chancy. But all four are really beautiful designs. So no matter which one you may get, uh, they're going to look cool. And of course, the electronics works the same. Um, all right. So I thought you I got these? Show... Well, let me show... You want to show them on the overhead or do you want to wear them? What do you want to do? I thought I'd wear to start. So hold on. All right. Lots of live demos today. Okay, so let's go to the uh, front camera. So I've mounted them onto, I, I got these, um, they're, they're for lack of a better word, they're like fashion glasses. I guess these are popular with, with K-pop stars. Um, so this is me, and what's cool is, you know, these glasses you can wear over them. So you can see there's a grid. So see the grid is like a rainbow grid. And then there's two circles. And so that's kind of the thing I think is neat is you can, you can choose, I, I'm, I'm switching between the two. Um, looking very cyberpunk, um, but whether you want this style or the other style or both, you can have text, you can have swirly designs, all sorts of good stuff. So then I thought, let's go to the uh, to the overhead, and I'll show. So yeah, this is them with the LEDs nice and bright, and just showing the two designs. Um, so again, this is I squared C only. You would connect this to your microcontroller, whether it's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, or it's like a Cutie Pie or whatever. And then you can run our CircuitPython or Arduino library code to control what's on it. Um, the reason we didn't put the microcontroller on here is, is first off, we wanted to make it really simple so people could adapt and adjust it however they want. Um, and second, because usually you would have like a feather or something stuck to the side, like here, and then um, a little cable to connect with it. And then of course, if you want to add, it's uh, I squared C, so I squared C coming in this way, and then you can have sensors, accelerometers, light you know, detectors, what have you, um, on the other side, so you can make your own, like, like you said, like Facebook glasses, but way better, way more colorful. Not from Ray-Ban. Yeah. And that is new products. That's new products. Okay, uh, folks have some questions lined up in the chat. Yeah. Go do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Join all 30,000 of us. Let's do top secret, and then we'll bounce to the questions, and then we'll bounce, yeah. bounce for sure. So from the vault. You got a lot in the vault. Yeah, so let's first start with a video that has something to do with these glasses, because I think okay. that's the easiest thing to do, and you can get an idea of what we were doing earlier in the week. Yes. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? This is my desk full of rainbows. I'm doing two things here. One is making a little demo here for the LED glasses, so you can see text scrolling and then also the LED rings uh, glowing. So that's uh, some Arduino test code working out here. And then over here, I've got my new Seesaw dev board based on the ATtiny817. Um, so this is connected to a Metro Mini over I squared C. So this is the controller. And this is sending NeoPixel commands over I squared C to here. And then I got a ring here just to demo it. And then I got on the oscilloscope, checking out the signals, making sure they're nice and clean looking good 
Um, so this is going to be the replacement for the uh, SAMD09 chipset. Um, really hard to get that chip, but this one is a little bit more available. Uh, less expensive and also 3 or 5 volt capable. So altogether kind of a nice little upgrade to our Seesaw designs. Okay, and you have some breakouts. Okay, this one, this is a four ch sorry, 8 channel ADC that uh, runs over I2C, so I'm making a 7QT breakout for it. Except? Um, I'm also, again, redesigning the CP2104 USB serial adapter board to the CP2102. Also going USB-C while we're at it. Uh, this is a kind of a new sensor from ST. It's a like 8x8 multi-zone time of flight sensor, the VL53L5CX. So maybe it'll break out. All right. That's top secret. Yeah. Coming soon. Yeah. All right. We're going to bounce right to it's the questions. Yet. Yeah. Let's go. I can... I can yeah. We're going to do questions um, while you have those glasses on. Yes. It's important. Well, for the folks who are like, well, is, does the light go into your eyes? Well, no. no and no, you can no, see no, through no. this really well. The back well. is um, completely off. So the light is only pointing out at other people. They have to deal with you. And of course, I can see just fine. I mean, I can see, I can see Phil here. Okay. And I can um, see you. Well, I can't see you because your camera's not on. And it's I'm going to a video show, but. Uh, just start going at these right now. Will Adafruit ever sell wireless LEDs without the inductor also? What's the max size of uh, end inductor? I think it's like uh, a micro Henry. I, we may stock the LEDs. I wanted to start with the like starter kits um, to, to get going, but um, if they're popular, yeah, I'll carry little LED kits. Okay. Do you know the efficiency of them? Not efficient. Okay. Um, do not do not use these for efficiency. Okay. Use you already them for answered cool the, the light question about the glasses. Yes. Um, question: If open source business closes, uh, so you, do you sometimes pick up their designs and make them? No. Um, we haven't really so far, no, not so. because we, uh, we've seen that and wanted to do it. So every single time we've made a design that someone else has made, we've contacted and worked with them. We even pay royalties to folks. Uh, we don't need to, it's open source, but we've always done that. Uh, so I guess, I guess maybe one day in the future, if there was an open source design and the company went out of business, there was no way to get a hold of the folks. Um, yeah, I guess we could. Um, but I'd have to say, um, but by the way, if you are wondering, can you do that? The answer is yes, of course. Of course, technically um, but you I'm can, saying but we've never done that. We're held to a different standard than everyone else with everything. So yeah. we wouldn't just make an open source design without trying to contact the creator just to let them know what we're doing anyways. Yeah. Okay. Um, does the LED, would the, do the coil LEDs have built-in resistors? Um, no, I don't think they do. I think that the coil just, there's just not, the, the voltage that's passed on the other side, it's only three volts max anyways or something. So yeah. you don't have to worry about that. I've, I've not seen them burn out. I put them, you know, you can put them as close as you want. Okay. Um, someone want to know, could, well, I'll just, I'll change the question a little bit. Could we make a pack of four if someone wanted to buy all four so they got each different one? We not right now. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing this and we're going to experiment with it. And yeah. um, all four designs are cool, but um, we're going to just get a, a, a random one on each order. If you buy four, you might get four of the same one. Yeah, it's no a little, it's a little, yeah. Um, is the RP2040 now our go-to chip? It's one of our go-to chips. We've made a couple uh, designs with it. It's wonderful. The macro pad used the RP2040 and it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, next up, been trying to make an animatronic uh, on an Arduino Uno compatible with the Adafruit 16 channel servo PWM shield. How would I do a sweep of 180 degrees and 60 degrees afterwards? Um, check out the servo library for Arduino and there's, there's actually a sweep example. Um, and you can just set the angle you want and you can do you know little sweeps um, or, or just set the angle and let it move as fast as it can. 
um, and that's how you would have it move back and forth. You would you would have you'd set the angle and then wait and then set the angle to something else. Uh, do you know the power draw of the glasses at max if you were to put a maximum brightness? I don't know, but probably like 50 milliamps or something. It's not as bright as you'd think because it's multiplexed. So it's not driving all the LEDs at once, it's actually driving nine LEDs at once. Okay. And... Next up. Oh, this is, uh, is Hackaday Future still in limbo? I don't know. Um, for uh, the interview that I did, so Siemens bought Hackaday. I have nothing to do with the sale. I started the Hackaday site 16 years ago, but it, it went to uh, Weblogs Inc. and then afterwards, um, Supply frame and now supply frames owned by Siemens, so I don't I don't did, know. Did, did that sale complete? I don't, don't know. Even, I don't even. Know I mean, there's regulators and all sorts of stuff. I don't yeah. know. It's a good question. Yeah. Um, and we probably won't know. Siemens is a publicly held company, so eventually we'll be able to probably see something in their annual reports and more. Yeah. Um, but as far as the what's the what does the future hold? I haven't seen any difference in the um, quality or quantity or, or yeah. the coverage, it's and I think they're doing Remoticon. Yeah. Yeah. And so. So far, so good. Um, I would like to continue to uh, hope for the best. And then um, I guess I'll be disappointed later if something happens, but I'm just gonna try to, yeah. I'm gonna try to assume the best and, the, and, it, and this is an important thing for people and they're gonna keep doing a good job at it. Um, next up, people like the macro pad. Uh, what's the best time to ask questions during Ask an Engineer? Oh yeah, at the end. During, during Ask an Engineer? Yeah, during, during the question, during the question, during time. question time. Yeah, because we try to get through them really fast. And then some people like to... Uh, not uh, after. That's yeah, not then good. some people like to just go through this. Uh, do you know the frequency of the inductive coil alternate? No, I don't know. I don't know the details. Oh, kilohertz, maybe. It's not audible. Okay. Uh, what are the specs of the new time of flight sensor? Check the ST data sheet. I do not know. Okay. And is there any chance we would make our own silicone? Um, so we could, but we're not going to because other people who are really into that are going to do that and it'll be easier for us and to just... And they're good at it. Yeah, and we can make suggestions. So I think um, one of the new best things that happened was the Raspberry Pi folks made a chip and we're able to give them information, feedback, and more. And I think that's going to be the best way for the community to get all the features they want. Um, if someone said, like, what chip do you want? I'd be like, well, like a RISC V that has USB. Like that, yeah, and, we asked and them, some RAM. But, yeah, but if so, I was doing silicon, I wouldn't do hardware. It's very hard to do both. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not that interested in it, to be honest. We do not own Radio Shack yet, um, but we, do, we did an interview with the new owner of Radio Shack. Uh, I have a 2.7-inch sharp memory display that I'd like to be able to uh, see at night. Any recommendations on, what, on how to uh, light it? Just use some LEDs. I think that'll work great. Okay. Uh, what is the product code for the Stemma board for rotary? Maybe someone can help out in the chat. Yeah, I think check that. out adafruit.com and just, and just type start in to the words. It, yeah. it'll, it'll show you the product ID. Yeah, I can't bounce to that browser right now or on the site because I'm doing a show thing. Uh, and I think that is it. Gone once. Gone twice. Them's your questions. All right, thanks, everybody. I'm going to take off my magical glasses. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. That is our show this week. A special thanks to uh, Takar behind the scenes, who's uh, helping out Hi, in our company chat room. And then all the folks that are uh, in the chat answering questions and helping each other. Thank you so much. Uh, the code is inductive.
Now you know why. Now you know Not why. Not inductive reasoning. Yeah. Inductive LED wireless setups. And uh, we'll see uh, everybody Thanks, everybody. Next week. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your <laughs> moment of Zener. Bye.